Oh, hoy, hoy, Noiros. Ooh, must be uh -oh. October. Yeah, oh. put on a coat. Welcome to episode 92 of Out of the Podcast. We're in the Halloween season. We're doing it again. Spooky movie, spooky noir, we call it. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right, uh, <laughs> Deadly Dan? I like it. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I like I like the crossover in this month. I, I always look forward to uh, doing these movies that have like the horror tinge to them. I, I like that element. We try. I don't know how many years we're going to be able to keep this going, but we did it for round two. I, I take it on as like a responsibility like that. I, I'll make sure that at, at, at the least I'll, I'll try to do my best to, to unearth these horror tinge gems. I make it my personal mission to, yes. to keep to keep it afloat as much as I can. Ghastly Joey here to say, well done for another year. Uh, Thank you. I try. Choices. Yeah, well, that, that's what we asked for. A little fucking effort here. And we got it. Yeah. <laughs> we got effort in space. Look, everybody, this one's going to be probably lightning quick. Ten minute episode, I'm sure. But we will do our best to pad it with entertainment and insight. But we're talking Among the Living. This was released December 19th, 1941. So this is an early one for sure. Very early. One of the earliest we've covered. Yeah. Probably even like pre the idea of noir, but you know, it, is it here? Yeah. Proto. Uh, is it Nodo? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Stuart Heisler. Screenplay from Garrett Fort and Lester Cole from a story by Brian Marlowe and Lester Cole. Welcome to the show. Monster and human guys. What weird fascination has this maniac for women, Dan? Mm. What horrible fascination did this monster have for women? Also, eh. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't, don't love those taglines. No, but you know, with how bare bones everything was for this, I was surprised yeah. to even get them. So thank you for, you know, 10 seconds of content right there. I mean, it's part of the course. I mean, they, it's always like it's you got to sensationalize it. I get it. It's the audience. You know, they're trying to lure people into the theater. It, it's true. We're on the golf course. We're talking golf, golf talk. Oh, wrong <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, Albert Decker is back. I was going to say, uh, Mr. Armitage, old Armitage himself Armitage. Is, is, is back in the game. <laughs> great to have him. It is great to have him. He's definitely a compliment of this movie. And sure. uh, Susan Hayward, who I'm always happy to see. So, and Francis Farmer. That's right. She better. What is it? What's the the Nirvana song? Uh, Francis Farmer will have a revenge on Seattle. Yeah, is that the full title. Yeah, Something, I know she'll have a revenge at least. Yes. So watch out. <laughs> We're gonna open with a nice waxy candle, Dan. You know, it's a good candle, and it's got all those little balls of wax. Mm -hmm. Thick. It's been burning. It's a Halloween candle right in the credits. And then we're in a funeral in the woods. It's a, a nice little lovely estate we're on in the town of uh, Radden. Uh, the Radden estate. Radden? Radden? I think it's Radden. Radin. Yeah. I literally I just finished this movie before starting this podcast <laughs> and already forgot. I watched Radin. it like a day or a day and a half ago. So, so well, I know, started to watch yeah. it last night and the file I had had errors. So I had to find something else and got to that. You got to get the, the old Kino. I mean, if I liked it, I would. Let's find out. Uh, uh oh, <laughs> that's not promising. Let's find out. Raiden, you know, like Mortal Kombat style. We're in that town. 
we're in the Raiden estate. Dan's doing the the lightning, and <laughs> that was um Christopher Lambert in the movie, right? Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a <laughs> well great I'm, great song. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a hell of a song. You want to get people on the dance floor, fight, get hype. Yeah, like the end, the last scene of this movie. You know what? That's topical. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we'll edit the Mortal Kombat scene over that scene. <laughs> the song. <laughs> I'll do my best. All right. We're at the Raiden estate. Uh, we don't even get to see the guy who died. It's a Raiden funeral. So it could, it could be Christopher Lambert in that coffin after all. It's a lovely affair, though. You know, we should all be so lucky with our funerals to be in the nice woods with all the moss and whatnot water like a pond or a lake you know it's very yeah, nice it's a, yeah it's nice and they get their it's a wealthy estate and i believe it comes from textiles is that correct i think so yeah, yeah. we're gonna go with that so yeah, John, it's a factory in in the town as we get to yes yes it's a big deal if you could say it's the uh fourth character of the movie uh <laughs> <laughs> john raiden is back in town this is albert decker i'm sure he's only gonna play this one part he's a busy man Dan. he can't double up he hasn't been in town for 25 years, and it's his dad who died, and he has his new wife with him, Elaine. Mm-hmm. We we don't see too much, but she pops up every now and then. She's got a good scream, that Elaine. Yes, played a by good, Frances Farmer. Yes, exactly. She's got a good Halloween scream. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's known for that, but she should be. I don't um, think so. From the, <laughs> the, movie, the movies I've seen of her, no. I'm not. I'm, I'm, very loosely familiar with her, but she was fantastic okay. in this for what she got to do. There's a caretaker of the estate, Pompey, and mm-hmm. also the family physician who is, seems to be around a lot, Dr. Ben Saunders, or Dr. Ben, as we Dr. call ben. him. You know, he's a, he's a friendly guy. He's a family physician, you know? Gives you a lollipop, I'm sure. You would hope. <laughs> Look, if he's going to cover up a murder like we're about to find out, give me a grape, you know? Yeah, something. Something. Hopefully there's bubble gum on the inside. <laughs> I don't know if that were they around back then? Boy, there's a question, huh? Yeah. All right. But, you're gonna make you're gonna maybe start. This is gonna be my search. Dan, if this wasn't a lightning quick episode, I would say, hey, let the listeners do their own dirty work, but we need the help. Cause that Tootsie Pop commercial was at least like the sixties, right? With the owl. Oh, am I doing Tootsie Roll or am I doing what's what is it, blow pop? Blow pop. I mean, we might as well do both. Okay. Here we are. I mean, Halloween candy. It's all very topical. All right. So the Tootsie Roll Pop, they were invented in 1931 by an employee of the Sweets Company of America. So, yeah, they were absolutely around. Tootsie Rolls were actually invented back in 1896. So, yes, they would have been around. And let's see. Blow Pops. Blow Pops, I could see being like the 70s or something. So it's interesting that the Wikipedia page for Charms Blow Pops, it's kind of like sort of out of order and they talk about the history because actually they ended up getting bought by tootsie roll industries oh. so they're technically like charms candy company and they date back pretty far but i'm trying to see okay so all right so i found it so in 1966 mm-hmm. uh, this guy did well he filed a patent for the method of making candy with gum inside and then 1973 he sold the idea to charms uh, and they renamed it Blow Pop. And that was 1973. So, yeah. No no luck there, but he could have very well given him a Tootsie Roll pop. So he was the first to put gum in it, but not a Tootsie Roll? 
Yes. So it was a different guy. I mean, I, I, I left out a lot of, there's a, there's a whole thing. I, I, okay. just, I, I, I pulled out, I extracted the part that we were looking for specifically, but just to find the date, but it looks like it, it went through a couple different hands to get to it. But the earliest incarnation was like the sixties. So okay. yeah, past well past this, this movie, but it could have given a lollipop with something inside of it. At that point, we've learned That's maybe true. not gum, but you're going to be chewing on something, especially right. those old, the old recipe for Tootsie Rolls, you'd probably be chewing on it for six days. Oh, yeah. Knows. Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, the technology was there. Exactly. And Dr. Ben, you know, he's he's making money from this wealthy estate. They're going to have some good pops Hope that so. we've solved. OK, <laughs> I'm glad we took this detour. We needed it. We, everyone's thanking us. So, yeah, he Pompey and Dr. Ben, they've been working together. They've been keeping a secret, which will come out to John later that night. His brother, his twin brother, Paul Raiden, he's still alive and he's in a straitjacket hidden away in a room for 25 years. In the basement uh, of the uh, one of the houses like, of the estate. Exactly. And the doctor even helped fake the death certificate and they just threw some random kid in a coffin and they're like, hey, that's our son. And yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like right off the bat. I mean, we will I will say here that yeah, it's it's a lean 69 minutes. So I mean they it gets right into it. I mean it's perfect, but it, it gets right into it and it just goes. So, My biggest compliment of the movie yeah. is that 69 minutes. Yes. So yeah, the John and Dr. Ben they go for a walk around the family plot. Dr. Ben is explaining that there was an incident that happened back in the day where Paul was attacking his own mother. And his dad came in and was like, yo, what are you doing? And after that night, he was never the same again. He just snapped. And so they sent John away so he would be spared of this and they can go ahead and deal with this whole new situation. And they went ahead and faked Paul's death. They went to like a boarding school. Right. Basically, yeah. He got to have a nice classy life while his twin brother was locked away in a straitjacket in the basement. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, they find Pompey's body. And Paul later finds Ben and talks to him. And Dr. Ben explains what went wrong, that Paul, he, he didn't like the idea of his dad being buried next to his mother. He has a, some mother issues. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. And Pompey was like, yo, you got to chill out. And he's like, no, no, no I'm out of here. So he killed Pompey and even like dug up his dad, too. Mm -hmm. And he jumps out a window, which is great. Some good window yeah. jumps out of this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> through the glass and once he realized that uh, dr ben was like no 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 you're gonna stay here we're gonna put you back in the room he's like no no no, i'm i'm gonna be free i'm gonna breathe fresh air bye <laughs> and dr ben is like oh okay uh well let me just cover up pompey's death now say <laughs> yeah. so well, he died of a heart it. attack i know he's a pro this is where you go yeah probably could write you some prescriptions too i mean this is your guy why not why not now Paul's out in the city and he's loving what he sees. He's just uh, happy. a happy a new life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He has a nice run in with a paper boy. He's picking up cleavers and even finds a place to rent in a boarding house with a fun landlady, Mrs. Pickens. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Pickens has a babe of a daughter, Millie Pickens, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Susan Hayward. Always good to have her. Oh, yeah. And she is just beaming with light with their smiles she's very flirty and he's loving it he's like this is great this is way better than a straight jacket in the basement yeah i'll say and, and he's like oh i like your dress hey here's 30 bucks for a new one and she's like oh big spender because something that doesn't get necessarily fleshed out but it's in the background is this, this town which is named after the, this family 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's very dependent on this mill. Everybody works at this mill, this textiles mill. Mm-hmm. And it's been closed, I guess, because of the, the guy died and they're trying to figure stuff out. Right. And that's why John came back. It was too full for the funeral and to like He's take, take over, over. The, the overall estate, including the, the mill. Exactly. He's been working towards this his whole life. And now here he is. And so things are supposed to open up again. But people have been hurting with this closure. Right. And uh, maybe they're going to get a little desperate. So she's very happy to see $30 for a new dress. And this is where also they talk about, oh, John's in town because of the plant. And he's like, oh, where do I find him? And they're like, he's at the Raiden Hotel, of course. He's going to stay where he's named after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Paul heads over there and he meets John's wife, Elaine, at first because she's the only one there. And <laughs> nice brother-in-law interaction where he totally just frightens her and creeps her out and mm. John comes in and he's like, oh, hey, easy there. And then, uh, yeah, you get to see two Albert Deckers. That's always a fun time. Pretty well done for the, yeah, for the I era. Think it was done. Yeah, for sure. Pretty yeah. convincing. John wants him to stick around because he feels sympathy. He's like, yeah, I didn't know you were locked in the basement. That sucks, dude. We're twins. Like, I got to look out for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me know what I could do to help. But Paul really just stopped by to find out when the mill was going to open up again so he could tell Millie you know, the good news. He's like, yeah, I have a hookup, you know? Yeah. But all that goes wrong and Paul starts choking John and Elaine gets in a good scream. That famous Francis Farmer scream. It's a good one. It is. As a good you mentioned, yeah. it's, a, it's a good scream. <laughs> like my I, hope it wasn't AD, I hope it wasn't 80 yard or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was actually her. Oh my God, you guys, good scream. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. Thank you. Paul, he he runs out. He runs back off into town. He rejects some puppies for sale. Everyone's always trying to sell him something when he's out in the city. And then he goes to a cafe. And here's where here's where we put in the Mortal Kombat song. This thing is just ripping up. Everyone's on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Looks like a good time. Yeah. I hope I would be dancing. I hope I wouldn't be shy. And he's just like this big, dumb kid. He's sniffing women. <laughs> <laughs> just getting into all sorts of trouble. But thankfully for him. This woman, women love this guy. All the babes are just magnets for him. And Peggy, oh, yeah. Peggy Nolden, this this blonde woman played by Jean Phillips, uh, she takes a shining to him and that goes well. He's clearly never seen dancing and they, they toast to happy days. And, and she's mm-hmm. she's wondering, hey, like, do you like me? Are you interested? And he's like, oh, no, I like Millie. Millie is great. Have you heard of Millie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> She's like, who's that? Yeah, she, yeah, she's like, uh, what the fuck? She's not too into this whatsoever. And so that rejection and all the dancing it overwhelms him. And he once again snaps and he, he had, runs off and hides in the shadows. And here's where you get the best scene of the entire movie. I mean, just real creepy stuff, real yeah. Halloween creepy. He follows Peggy outside of the cafe. And yeah, he just slowly following her which she eventually notices and she just starts to haul ass and he starts to chase her and she's like throws her purse even eventually of like oh no mm-hmm. this means my life i gotta run yeah um and then he just catches up to her the music cuts out and she screams you want to talk good screams mm-hmm. and then um he goes to choke her and they disappear together in the shadows and then only he comes out alive it's just a really well done scene yeah, and I think this is like a really good like microcosm of like that dichotomy between like film noir and horror. Like that you can kind of make, this is like a scene where it kind of almost like encapsulated for this movie. Oh yeah, um, where you can kind of look at it and say, yeah, it kind of walks a little bit of that line, but in a good way. Like it's 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 interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, there's all just the spooky elements of like right. hiding away, you know, a twin brother and stuff like that. Exactly. And the whole estate feels weird. But yeah, this is just like, no, 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 we still got shadows and we still got, you know, good on hands on murder, you know? <laughs> yep. And then all, all, all in this like Southern Gothic, you know, environment. It's mm-hmm. just like all that together. Yeah, it's just, it's just a very interesting uh, mesh of things. It's a good looking movie for sure. Yeah. That, that much is true. So the next day, we see Millie. She's got her new dress. She picked a great dress. Looks like she got her full thirty dollars worth. And the, mm-hmm. the whole town's talking about these murders. They're they're fascinated by it. And Millie and Paul they go to get him cleaned up. They're like, "Let's get you a suit." I think you passed over one 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 interesting thing about that scene is that she does a private showing for him. Oh yeah, and has that scene like where she like goes behind the door and she's like, "All right, don't look." And she puts on the dress and does a little like walk around and. Shows off, and that's when she says, "Oh, now we got to get you cleaned up. You got to clean all. You got to look as good off. as this yeah. dress. Get you, yeah, so they can be presentable with her. And also, we see that the newspaper has been. Uh, they link the deaths of Peggy and Pompey. They're like both bodies are found strangled in the same position. So, hmm. and also, we only get so many murders in this town. It's probably yeah. the same person, serial killer. Yeah. Uh, and there's another guy, Bill Oakley. Gordon Jones, who's who's uh, boarding at the house and uh, he likes Millie as well. And he's pretty angry about being unemployed and everything and being rejected, probably. Yeah. And he's like, hey, let's get in on this murder. Let's find this killer, which also Dr. Ben went to John and was like, oh, uh, we, we should put out a reward to capture Paul, make it five thousand dollars. People like five thousand dollars, which adjusted for inflation that's a lot a good, of money yeah. it's a good bounty yeah so everyone people like, are desperate for money i mean exactly yeah, it, it's it's it sets all that up because then they start like there's that that nice like frenzied like cut scene where they're like oh do you hear about this oh do you hear about this and it's five thousand dollars and let's go and it just does like these quick little cuts which are interesting yeah absolutely it, it's it's so much how it, it's so much jam-packed into this movie and the plot yet it's so tight you know like yeah it's very interesting. And then after this, I, you got a great scene with Paul and Millie. They're buying him a razor, the, the much hyped razor. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we didn't really say this, but the difference between John and Paul visually is just scruff. John yeah. looks like he's about to run a factory and Paul looks like he was locked in a basement within a straitjacket. And also, I mean, uh, pretty good for that. But, you know, still. Yeah. Also, at that point is when she kind of like is like, oh, I wish I could smell like this perfume. And like she kind of like tries to like <laughs> go hint, hint nudge nudge wink wink yeah like, i want this expensive perfume and then he buys her this huge bottle of perfume. huge bottle the best one and she's also like the murder is being talked about and she's like oh i wonder what that guy looks like and she's right next to the guy yep. it's so great yeah uh, so yeah so she gets her perfume she's smelling great the radio's talking of this murder reward and she's like wow hey i love perfume i love dresses but you know what i love the most five thousand dollars so why don't we get in in this i mean the whole town is just in five thousand dollar fever they're going nuts like they're dancing at the cafe now paul is shaved he looks good he looks just like brother john and millie's like hey i got my dad's pistol check it out like showing it off like it's a new dress and she's like why don't we go to the raiden house i think that's where he'd be hiding out it's the spooky haunted house hey halloween right on the podcast uh, she's like, that's where this murder is going to be hiding out. We're going to go there. I got a gun. This guy strangles people, you know, rock, paper, scissors, uh, strangle hands, gun. We know who wins. Mm-hmm. Gun. Listen, I got everything all figured out. Gee, what a difference a shave makes. 
Everybody will say, my, what a nice-looking couple when they see our pictures in the paper. Pictures in the paper? Sure, when we collect the reward. I got it all figured out. The papers say every road is blocked. That means the murderer's still in town. Now, there's one place that's perfect for him to hide. Everybody's scared to go near it. They think it's haunted. The murderer probably knows that and is sitting up there laughing at us. Well, he's not gonna laugh at me. Because we're going up there to Raiden House. Raiden House? I don't want to go up there. Why not? Well, you... You don't know he's there. No, but I'm gonna find out. Don't you like me? Yes. Then won't you do what I want? Yes. Well, then... I'm afraid to go up there. Look what I got. It's Pop's old 38. I sneaked it out of Ma's bureau drawer. Oh, but that won't do any good. Hey, what's the matter with you? You're scared of those ghosts they're all talking about? I guess I made a mistake. I thought you were a man. Sorry. Millie. Millie, I'll go. Well, that's more like it. I knew you were only kidding. All the time. So they're they're heading over there. The town is like going through the riffraff of everybody. They're they're grabbing anyone, old men, people, homeless people. Like they're just hungry for money, and I'm sure terrible things are being done at that moment off screen. It's horrifying, but it's yes. great. And John, he's like, I'm going to go to the Raiden estate as well for answers, but a different kind. Maybe Paul is there. We could figure this whole thing out. Um, you know, seems like we're getting close to a finale. So what better way to do such a thing than to all head to the Raiden estate? So we're there. It's wonderfully spooky. Paul's just kind of like, yeah, hey, weird. And Millie's like, hey, let's check out this room, which is at the mother's bedroom. And Paul, he doesn't like that whatsoever. He snaps once again, and he he tries to kill Millie. Yeah, um, that, yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's like a pretty like good terrifying scene. Yeah, he's like, that's she my like, mother's she room. He's like, yeah, mother. she kind of kind of backs up into the room and stuff. No, yeah, Susan Hayward's so good. I mean, mm -hmm. I think this is a pretty early role for her too, and she mm -hmm. just was fantastic as always. Just she's a she she delivers consistently. As oh, does yeah. Albert Decker. I, I find he's he's solid. Yes, he, I'm, he's very solid. He plays two parts. There's enough of a difference. There's a 1941 difference between the two roles where you feel like he's he's given enough oomph to keep them like separate characters. Yeah, no, definitely. So it seems like they, he's going to kill Millie, but Bill comes in with his friend and they rescue her. They followed him there and there's a battle. Paul gets shot, but he runs off. He, he's the king of escaping this estate. And John's like, hey, this seems like a good time to come in. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's Paul. That's the guy. He looks just like him. They're both wearing suits, the same suit, everything. Which you would think were like, hey, Millie, you were just bought this suit with him. Does this look what, like what right. you just got? Yeah. But I, th I thought I, th I thought the same thing. I mean, I've seen this before, but I was thinking about that again. Like, as I was watching, I'm like, you couldn't tell. Yeah, or also, like, just, you know, yeah. you shot him, too. And this guy isn't shot. But right. They're just so hungry 
for yeah exactly yeah, yeah you could argue mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah they're just yeah i mean they see him and it's like it looks i mean it's you know yeah exactly like guy they just did. be like i'm mistaken he must have changed suits or something right you know, like we why would we think he has a twin brother and even yeah. if you look into it that guy's been dead for 25 years right so. exactly they're under the impression that that's that's the case if anybody that knows they assume that he's dead already and they wouldn't even question it exactly so they're like hey john raiden whatever this is paul we got him we did it and uh, so they beat the shit out of him and they immediately get a, a hearing going. An angry mob puts together their own like court justice. Like, yeah, they like pile. They all pile in the whole town and it's a like, real crowded. And they're like they like yank the judge in and they're like, it's like, we're not going to wait for a right regular justice. You're going to do this right now. We're doing this. Exactly. Vigilante justice <laughs> um, and have like a, you know, a kangaroo court of sorts uh nice, and nice. and and get you know get this guy indicted or killed you know whatever whatever punishment they're very good at um casting extras for this movie they got these scenes yeah filled up. really got to yeah, give them sure. credit for that yeah so john's just doing the whole hey i'm i'm not my twin brother who's alive thing and they're like yeah right he's dead good one <laughs> and then eventually uh, Elaine is able to convince Dr. Ben to come by and tell the truth. And he's like, yeah, hey, by the way, I'm like kind of a shitty doctor and committed yeah. so much malpractice. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, no way. No yeah, way. Come you- on. You're Dr. not that ben. good. Not Dr. Ben. Yeah. Not Dr. Ben and his famous lollipops. But they're like, all right, arrest Dr. Ben. And maybe we should go looking for this Paul guy. And they find him at the family plot dead over his mother's grave and the end yeah what a ride one hour and nine minutes later yep (laughs) so i would give this i would say it's a solid 6.5 out of 10 psycho twin brothers i would say i think that's fair yeah it's not anything i'm over the moon about but i never felt like my time was wasted um Mm -hmm. the beginning kind of dragged a little bit but you know by that i mean like the first like three minutes you know this thing so quickly right but it did take a second to be like, okay, what's up? But once it got going, it was it, it, it was solid, you know. And I think yeah. I could, I would even possibly raise that score with another feeling. Yeah, I I would I would agree. I, you know, I, I'll say even just on a, on a, a you know a base level, like I really like the title. I think the title is really cool. It works. Title's think it works. cool. Title's cool. Yeah, obviously the runtime. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I feel the same way. Like I'm not over the moon for it. But I like it. I, I I think there's a lot to this movie. I think the character actors I think are great in it. I think it's a nice, interesting cast. I think um, you know as much as I plot. love the runtime, it's almost works against it in the fact that I almost wish some stuff was fleshed out a little more. We could live right. in this world a little longer. Agreed. Because yeah. clearly everyone's very capable. The acting's great. It's a solid script. The direction's lovely. And like yeah, that whole scene where he's just stalking. Um, Peggy Nolan and uh, kills her in the alley is just masterful. I mean, you yes, you could watch that in a comp and get real hyped up. But yeah, if yeah, that was a trailer, you'd be like, yeah, I need to see this movie. Yeah, exactly. But you know, unfortunately, it's just like, well, that's really just the one essential scene. But it's a couple, uh, fight, fight, couple fight scenes here and there. You yeah, know, I mean, a little bit of action. Yeah, the a little bit of horror with the like seeing like the dead victims and stuff like that. I mean, that's... I mean, even, even just when he popped up in a straitjacket, like, oh, what's yeah, that, that's interesting. It, and huh? it's Albert Decker. And you're yeah, like, yeah. Wait a second. I love Albert trains. Decker. He's he's perfectly yeah. sane. Why is he here in the straitjacket? Yeah. Yeah. How do, they... you get, how do you get there? 
there's so many elements. It just would have been yeah. nice, I guess, to to live in this world a little longer. More Francis Farmer would have been good. But yeah. what it is is, you know, is is solid. You know. Yeah, I mean, you're and you're also thinking about the time frame this came out. Obviously, like it's like you know, it's a it's a B picture. They're they're cranking them out. Yeah. You know, Paramount's just making these movies, and they're like they want to be economical about it. So like on on the other hand, you're like, okay, I get it. Like I get it. Why? Like if they're trying to if they're going to be efficient, they're going to be efficient. But yeah, I agree that like if this if this went up to maybe like, I don't know, 75, 80, 80 minutes or something like that, you know, maybe get a couple extra scenes of, of you know, drawn out. I feel like it, it could still be just as good, um, maybe even up to 80. Would um, even be nice to be a little more attached to Pompey, you know, like, it yeah. just felt like you lose him so quickly that it's just like, oh, yeah, that's a bummer. But yeah, you don't have a chance to really get an attachment like we, we got more attached yeah. to peggy nolan in our quick little scene you know right. just because she had something to do but it is what it is. bummer yeah yeah so um, i mean yeah <laughs> do, you have, do you have something else <laughs> no i just it's a it's a solid movie you know get you up to a 6.8 i'll take uh, sold okay <laughs> i think that's I mean, a, I think a 6.5 i got a 6.8 yeah 6.8 is i mean five to eight you're you're good to go, but yeah, I'm I'm willing to go six point eight. It's it's you heard it here, folks. I I got I got him to move the score up a bit. It was <laughs> just, that easy, just a smidge. Yeah, so uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, but yeah, there's not a lot on this movie. So what I did was I uh, I kind of cobbled together some 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 interesting facts about three of the main players in it. So oh, excellent. Yeah, so I think that's what I'm going to kind of focus on. I think the first thing I'm going to say, and just because we talked about it, is uh, that what's really fascinating to me is you mentioned earlier that they offered the $5,000 reward. Uh, and in 1941, $5,000 was the equivalent of today about $100,000. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of money for a reward. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. You know, we talked about that earlier, but like just hearing that actual figure, like, wow, that's, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so as I mentioned, uh, we're going to go a little bit into some of the actors uh specifically albert decker we are we already talked about him a lot so i was just going to highlight that yeah we it's it's kind of amazing how many films we've done that he's been in i mean everything from suspense the killers obviously destination murder you know mr armitage himself. illegal right illegal kiss yeah. me deadly yeah um yeah i mean he's, he's just like all over the place uh in a lot of film noir a lot of films very very prolific character actor and yeah i think he's just a solid actor that i think kind of gets a little bit under the radar. Like he doesn't really get talked about a lot, but I think he's a really solid actor. So I'm glad that we had still at least, you know, get to cover. And I'm sure there's probably other movies. I'm trying to think if there's any other film noir that he was in that we haven't. Oh, done. I'm sure. Um, but it was cool to see him starring in one, you know, right, double exactly. starring, you know, he made up for all the lack of uh, starring roles by doing it twice over. So, I mean, yeah. you could maybe argue that he was sort of, sort of starring in suspense even though he's technically the third right but yeah star, no i mean there's like but... three solid starring yeah. roles in that definitely but yeah he's top bill here yeah and he should be he deserves it absolutely um let me get my other facts around so susan hayward i think we've already probably talked about her a little bit from uh she was in they won't believe us i mean i'm sorry they won't believe me mm -hmm. um which we did in 1947 I don't remember. I think we did talk about it too. That she's part of that famous or infamous. Oh, uh, we did. Yes, yes. Conquer. Yeah, I think we did talk about <laughs> that, that movie episode. that just killed everybody in it. Yes, and she's a part of that unfortunate, uh, horrible way to go. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody from you know John Wayne, Agnes Moorhead, 
Pedro Armendariz, Dales. Yeah, all kind of succumbed. Hey, wait, who's the director? It was like an actor. Dick Powell. Dick Powell, Dick, Dick exactly. Powell, yeah. yeah, him as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and for actually... such a dog shit movie, too. Like, right. Not even worth it in any way whatsoever. He plays gang. John Wayne plays Genghis Khan in it. Like, yeah. That already is just like, you know, you, sh- you might get cancer from that. Right. And it, well, yeah, I mean, he really wanted to play that role, too. And he like really like campaigned to get it. And then everybody was like, yeah, maybe he was kind of miscast a little bit in that Just movie. a smidge, Just yeah. A smidge, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she passed away from a, uh, they found a lung tumor uh, back in March of 1972 and, and metastasized. And uh, she died after a seizure uh, mm-hmm. shortly thereafter, a couple years later. So yeah, definitely a rough end to her life. And getting and to I, that for her, I recommend I Want to Live, uh, yes, which we'll get to is just so fan. I believe she won an Oscar for it, yeah. I think she did, yeah. It's just she is just everything in that role, so yeah, definitely a great, great actor, yeah. She's and she had a very like, like wide reaching, like as far as like just different type of genres, like she definitely yeah. like, was able to kind of crossover, crossover, yes, into a lot of different genres, a lot of different roles. And was really good. Yeah, was a really good actor. So now we get to even some more, I guess, bummed out uh, information <laughs> about about Francis Farmer. Yeah, famous. Yeah, like we talked about famous for um, uh, Kirk Cobain had you know a pretty large fascination with her, and she had a very fascinating life. So I mean, it makes oh, sense. Yeah. But, but definitely uh, for our generation, and of course, you know, the, the ones that slightly ahead of us, you know, that's how we became familiar with her. I- Right. And then uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but in 1982, uh, Jessica Lange played her in a movie, Francis, about her life. Right. Um, and it's a really good. It's a pretty good movie. Interesting. And I think Jessica Lange does a really good job in that movie of, of really portraying me. Obviously, I wasn't there at the time when Francis Farmer was alive, but um, I think she does a really good job to kind of convey a lot. And, and that's part of the problem is that there's been a lot of sensationalized accounts of her life through different various biographies. Um, so it's hard to kind of extract like what's real what's not so real or what's the truths have been stretched and stuff like that but she had a pretty interesting life um i'll just go kind of quickly through it but she was a native to seattle so that's kind of where that title comes from for the nirvana song and she lived there off and on through her life she actually uh, started performing while a student at the university of washington in in washington state and after graduating she did some stock theater and signed a contract with paramount uh, on her second 22nd birthday uh, in September of 1935, she made a couple of B pictures, including she co-starred in a, I think it was a music, yeah, a Western musical with Bing Crosby called Rhythm on the Range, which wow. I've wanted to see. I've never seen it, but I'm, I'm aware of it. That sounds she, like it'd be a good double feature with Paint Your Wagon. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. Musical um, Westerns. Yeah, yeah, th- those are always, I'm always fascinated by weird musicals, uh, especially musical Westerns. Maybe there'd be a musical noir we can get to someday, Dan. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if that exists. That'd be a thing. I wonder if I've seen it. I um, wonder. <laughs> I wow, um, I wonder, dude. Yes, yes. Great song. My karaoke go-to. That's good. That's a good one. I never think to do that, but that is a really good one. Yeah. So she did some stock theater. Uh, she did some a little bit of Broadway in New York City. And she actually did a, a couple of Broadway productions with Ilya Kazan. But she was in like late 30s, early 40s, really started to kind of have battles with depression and, and binge drinking. She actually pulled out of doing some more stage plays and went back to Hollywood, started a couple of roles, including Among the Living. That was one of her first roles back in Hollywood in 1941. And then she started having some like really erratic behavior and she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And her family actually like told her that she should get, you know, basically committed her to an institution. 
and that's where a lot of kind of the uh there's like accounts of you know, mistreatment and, and shock treatment and all this stuff and that you know again there's a lot of kind of maybe misinformation or some stretching of the truth so it's it's kind of hard to to kind of glean specifically like all of the truth and, and what's you know a little bit fictionalized but there is there's enough there to kind of recognize that there was l certain levels of abuse that really affected her life moving forward um and she kind of bounced around a lot after that and uh, she ended up becoming a uh, a tv show host in indianapolis called uh, she had a show called francis farmer presents and basically she would like host a bunch of they would do like movies and have actors come on uh, and it was really successful in like the fifties. Like she had a kind of like a little bit of a resurgence. Um, Good for Indianapolis. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they really, it was really popular. She was Shout really out popular to, to Indy, uh, to Broad Ripple specifically. I used to live there for a year. So nice. There you go. And uh, she actually had her final film role in 1958, uh, a movie called the party crashers. Hey. Um, and, then, and then she kind of did some local theater in the sixties. And then she uh, ended up uh, passing away from cancer, August 4th, 1970 at the age of 56. But she had a very, very kind of like tumultuous life. She was in jail at different times for different intoxication. Uh, she got altercations. There's a lot of things about stuff she said in the courtroom. And they actually like at one point when they were arresting her, they like drug her out of her hotel naked. Oh, and geez. she was like screaming like there's just like so much to her life. So, you know, definitely a very, very interesting person. And, and you know, if you have time, definitely. And if you're interested, it's definitely worth kind of looking into because she does have a very did have a very fascinating life so i thought i would kind of just touch on that a little bit i mean there's a lot more that i kind of glossed oh, over but sure. i wanted i wanted to kind of give an over arc that yeah just she's just a, i think a really interesting person and, and especially uh, i'd say uh you know like even still mental health treatment is pretty uh not great but back then yeah. it, it just seems so barbaric almost just like yeah it was what they like would the do to people and barbaric yeah and it, it gives them it, further trauma you know when they're trying to get better and it's like now they're trying to recover from shock treatments or drugs or right i mean it makes me also think about and it's it's like been throughout history too i mean we're gonna get a little bit off maybe far off but you know we're getting it makes me think of like in the 1800s early 1900s where they're like you know prescribing heroin to people cocaine yeah. you know in, in coca-cola like there's these like what they think is like these remedies or these medicines that you kind of find out later that they're actually killing people and in the same kind of holds true as like these treatments are very just like they really didn't know and and there was a lot of like blind spots that they had about how to and treat it was people. that um boy i wish i knew names and was a smarter person but it was like a woman back around that time that like went on she was a reporter who like went undercover into like a mental institution and like did like a huge story just like based off her treatment and just like really got out a lot of the mistreatment that had happened at those places. Was that Nellie Bly? I mean, I'm not going to recognize the name. I hope it is, but I've read, I remember reading about that at one point. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. She was a pioneer in the field and launched a new kinds of investigative journalism. Yeah. That's, um, this sounds she, right. went to, she did like a whole expose on, on an asylum 10 days mm -hmm. in a madhouse. Probably, yep. probably that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That was like the late 1800s. Um, oh, wow. So there you go. Even earlier. A lot. Just a lot of stuff to read into when it comes to that stuff. For sure, yeah. yeah. So, so a tragic life. I mean, Frances Farmer. I think she did have a lot of talent, mm -hmm. and uh, you kind of you get a little bit of more of a snapshot to it to an extent in that movie. It's a 1982 Frances Farmer movie, and and you kind of get to see that they kind of portray her a little bit like being a little bit difficult on sets at times, and and you kind of question if that was just her mental state at the time. And again, she also had, there was this large amount of alcohol consumption that I'm sure was affecting her as well. And yeah, it's just, it's very tragic. Plus there's so much like 
sexism back then where it's just like any, oh yeah anytime there'd be like a woman would just be like hey i, I might have an issue with this be like oh difficult she's being difficult right like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay so yeah it's like you're saying it's tough to know what really is like legit and not but clearly there's right. a story in there with based off of the and there situations. is a, it, yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because there is a scene in that movie where i think it's like her agent and like they're on the set of a movie and she kind of stormed off because she, like she felt like she was trying to advocate for herself and he was just like no just like he was basically just like you're being difficult like you're being yeah. you know, like you're like why are you being so adversarial um something like that and and yeah i, I think that is the case like there, there's it's part that i mean she obviously i think had some mental health you know concerns and also the alcohol but also like i i think she was very talented and and knew her worth as well so i think it's kind mm-hmm. of a, a combination of that and i think maybe some of the more sensationalized things even in the press at the, in that time probably maybe shed her in a light that didn't help her, you know, right. You know, didn't really help. And they're like, Oh, this helps sells papers herself. too. You right. know, like, so let's yeah. put that in there and, you know, yeah. let's take a good person down. It's yeah. I mean, that was very much stuff. in that time. I mean, it was the, the days of, you know, a lot of gossipy stuff for sure. We're still not. barely getting over it. If we are at all. Oh yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's in some ways it's worse now, obviously with social media. I mean, we're that's a whole other conversation, but Danny um, don't even want to see what I've been saying about you. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I do. Only but good yeah. things, I swear. I hope so. Very complimentary. Um, you should see what I'm saying about myself, huh? Give me an intervention. Be di- be nice to me. I always am. I'm always nice to well, you. Well, I bet I should be nice to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's true. You should be nice to yourself. That's I mean, that that's always just good advice for anybody. Definitely. Uh, Dan, you want to talk good titles? Mm-hmm. I do. You should come back next week because I got one for you. We're going to go to 1948. Damn, it's going to be nighttime, and this night, this night has a thousand eyes. Ooh, very cool. The night has a thousand eyes, and the day but one. Yet the light of the bright world dies with the dying sun. The mind has a thousand eyes, and the heart but one. Yet the light of a whole life dies when love is done. Have you ever received a telegram and known its contents before you open it? Have you had sudden premonitions of danger which events in the future bore out? Yes, we've all had these unexplainable experiences. Humanity's most fascinating mysteries. And from them, Paramount has fashioned one of the most unusual motion pictures ever made. Night has a thousand eyes. It's the story of an average man whose uncanny knowledge of the future brought him both fortune and disaster. Why was this gift given to me? And why was this other power withheld? This power to turn evil into good. A man who holds so strange a power over this beautiful girl that he can even predict her death. How soon is it going to be? Within a few days. At night. Under the stars. Who was this man, Triton? Was he a charlatan? A criminal? Or were his fantastic claims the truth? Even the police are astounded as the events he foretells come true, one by one, night by night, spreading their shadow of terror. Look, you got an education. What are the odds on this and him being legitimate? Yesterday, I'd have said a billion to one.
that's a lot of eyes. I'm going to count. I know I say this a lot, but I, I'm very, very, very interested to see what you think of this one. Because, I mean, this has a, a, a very big wig uh, old friend. Ooh, as I like that. That I think you'll be interested by. It's a very, very fascinating movie. I'll think of which leads have the most eyes and get back to you. Yeah. Well, when you, I don't know if you looked into it yet, but you'll, you'll know right away what I'm talking about. It's pretty obvious. It's been a while <laughs> yeah. since I looked, but I'm, I'm sure I remember being like, oh, that's nice. So yes. I look forward to the surprise once again. Some heavy hitters. Dan, you want to talk heavy hitters. Why don't we talk the heavy hitters of social media? What's, what's our Instagram? That's a big one. Out of the podcast. That is it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Twitter still seems to be a thing. What's that's, that? <laughs> I think that's out of the cast. It is out of the cast. Yep. It's uh, we talk fishing over there. Yes, so, we do. It's, uh, pole cast, fishing rod cast. <laughs> there I must like be pole, some fishing. Yeah, these must be good fishing podcast things. Rod cast, pole cast. Those are free ideas out there. We're talking it makes me, it trout makes me think today. Of, it makes me think of Ghostbusters too when he's talking to the. The security guard at the museum and, and he says oh you know for all this like it gives me my my one of my favorite two favorite shows he's like what's the other one bass masters <laughs> the fishing show yeah i know bass masters good old ghostbusters too love um it. love ghostbusters too okay and <laughs> I, I know you forgive me i do forgive you it, it it, it's okay it, that's it's a new year's eve it's a great new year's eve movie i'll say that much you want a fun new year's eve because it it, it 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 you know ultimately the ending is is on new year's um look dan at the time we thought that was as bad as movies could be we've now since seen how bad they truly can be it's not so bad ghostbusters too oh no way i i, I mean i you know i grew up with that movie just as you i'm sure did so like mm-hmm. you know growing up i mean i had such a fondness for that movie because i feel like that one, I mean, as much as I love the original, the original was obviously more adult. So it was like two, I kind of gravitated because it was more a little bit more kid geared to in a, in, a, in a way more so than than the first one. Yeah, um, you're like blowjobs. I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> I want I wanted the pink slime, you know, there you go. <laughs> and Vigo. <laughs> and Vigo, geez. Uh, where where do people email their uh, self portraits in the Vigo style? Ray Vigo. Yeah. Um, that's uh, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And if they want to say how much they're excited to hear us talking about Ghostbusters 2, where would they rate and review to do so? Anywhere you stream your podcasts. Apple you Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Qu- question, question really Deezer. I was going to say, is Deezer coming? <laughs> yeah. We are still looking into Deezer if they're willing to carry us. We may be the first podcast on Deezer. Yeah, we'll be which we learned is, is huge in France. So yes, that joke is not funny to them. Yes, we're, we're going to have to start doing a lot more uh, Jean Pierre Melville films and and uh, Rafifi and stuff. No, no to, problem. To, yeah. to, re- to reel in our uh, our French audience. If that what it takes, oh boy, I guess. Yeah, I say it's it's a it's a tough sell for both <laughs> of us. Golly, if you insist. Yeah. All right. Well, that covers. I think we did pretty well, Pat, in this episode, don't you? Yeah, I think I think it went well. I think it's just about a normal episode. Yeah, and and maybe that's what we're about to toast to, Dan. Stretch st- to stretching <laughs> a sixty-nine minute movie. We have out. three things to toast to: the stretch to stretching. We always recommend stretching, be it mm-hmm. your episodes or your body. To happy days, of course, as mm-hmm. they do in the movie, and then of course to crime, baby. Here's a crime. Here's a crime. Red ding. <laughs>